So tell us what you think of the Eurovision. I can almost fucking, at this stage, guarantee, like, assume you're going to ask, what you're going to ask me about at the top of each episode. <laughs> I, well, as you probably know, I love the Eurovision. I know, and yeah, so it's I've, your uh, sexual preferences. <laughs> it's, I, I will not accept that because you came over to my place one year and we had a Eurovision party and you had a great laugh and you were very invested. I don't remember that. Yeah, um, it was myself, yourself, I believe Johnny Spills was there, and Rory and Neil O'Carroll and them fellas, and we had a great night. Well, I could, like, I don't remember it, but I could believe it because I, like, the voting and that kind of stuff is fun. I find the music a little bit, usually, leaving a bit to be desired. Uh, but the voting is excellent. It's extremely tense, and this year was no different. The music this year, the standard was actually pretty high. It was one of the best years, certainly in my memory, for good performances, generally okay songs, and, I mean, the Eurovision in the last 15 years or so, especially ever since they got the floor that's also a screen, uh, um, just the, the stage production has become massive in it and this year uh, all, all around was was a pretty dope show es- especially considering they were away last year and they you know they had to work with extreme restrictions this year it it felt completely natural it was really good they even had a in terms of audience you know cheering uh, they had an audience of 3000 there but if you got the eurovision app you could press a button that would you know, the more times people press the button, the louder the cheer at the end of the song will be. It's, it was worked out pretty meticulously, pretty well, uh, but lots of unexpected moments, uh, controversy this year, as seems to be de rigueur with with the Eurovision over the past couple of years. Did you see that they ran a drug test on the Italian fella? Yeah, I did, and I don't think that was particularly fair. I assume you've you've you're familiar with the story behind it. No. Right. So, Italy Italy won um, with a, a rock band essentially, um, like a, a kind of I I wouldn't call them heavy metal, but they're you know a metalish you know a, a garage rock band. They won it. They, some bookies had them as the favorite, but I just don't think anyone would have expected they would have won because they're so not the the convention. And I mean, someone, I guess it's not too long ago that someone broke that Eurovision rock band convention uh, in, I think, oh God, I can't remember what year it was, but when Lordy won, uh, Lordy were fantastic. But yeah, so Italy's band won. And as the results were give, were being given out, and this is what, you know, everyone is, is up in arms about, is it looked like the lead singer... Okay, no, it didn't look like the lead singer was taking coke off the table, but the lead singer's face went towards the table and out of shot of the camera for a second. And so people are saying, like people started making jokes about coke then on Twitter, but once they won, a lot of people got up in arms and are trying to use this 
as a hammer to knock them down off the, you know, get their titles stripped of them. Uh, especially it's, France, a French minister came out trying to get political about it and advocate for Italy to be stripped of their title so it could go to the person in second place. It is France. the absolute lamest load of bollocks. It's horrible. I mean, e- and, even, oh, oh no, a creative person is dabbling in drugs. Well, now, to be fair, because I I did think about this, um, it's if they had been doing it backstage, you'd say something. But if they did do it, which they didn't, and the lead singer was the first person to come out and say he will voluntarily take a drug test because that's not the band's ethos. They don't want to be seen as as that kind of fucking drug style band. Yeah, but But he he was the first one to come out. But where they were doing it. Was on the show floor. Oh yeah. Like it didn't happen. And yada yada. But. How fucking lame is it. That it's. I mean it's not like. They're fucking athletes. No. Which so, is the kind of. Like which fuck is right off. Let so them do funny. what the fuck they want. I mean the well, idea no, of like, that. It, is. If, if they did do it. They should be stripped of the title. Because they, they would have done it on camera. It would be like Leo at his seat in at, in the Oscars whipping out a line of coke and taking it there. Oh, yeah, but I'm, I'm not, like, I mean, we, we know that they didn't do it there. No. And then, mm. but if they were, like, if he had come back and had failed that drug test, I mean, who gives a flying fuck? Yeah, I mean, it's not fucking performance answer, like. No, no, it's. Like it's, and I mean, yeah, it's it's just absolute horseshit. Um, but I, I just I hate that moral fucking thing of yeah, you know, it, it's it's bullshit, and especially it's disingenuous it's as well. A, it is. It's where the and fucking French Parliament wasn't full of it. Certainly, the, the French minister is using it as a you know as a political fucking cudgel to try and get France like it's so pathetic but uh, even if you know the the results do come back positive it's like well it was still the winning song you know people voted for the song not the fucking drug use so you can't punish them by stripping their title you can maybe ban Italy from the Eurovision next year not that the Eurovision as a body has any fucking ethics when it comes to including countries with, which have problematic backgrounds. Let's be fair. Yeah. Uh, considering the reason a lot of us didn't watch it two years ago. But like the, even the Eurovision have themselves come out and said, well, we checked the background and said, you know, when they said there was a glass broken underneath the table, which is why he was bending down to you know, to give that appearance. And they said, yeah, they did find broken glass. So even the Eurovision themselves have all but come out and said, this is ridiculous. And I wasn't a fan of the Italian song. I didn't think it was the best song. It was interesting, but even the chorus seemed plagiarized from something else. It wasn't special, but there was an interview with the band today and I was kind of heartbroken for them because all they had to say is like, look, I will take a drug test. I, I'm happy to. That's not who I am. So I will take a drug test. And this has cast a terrible shadow over what should be a day for us about us winning. And that's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's that's just a bit, it's all a bit pathetic. Anyway, to better news, 
and Atletico Madrid have won La Liga for the first time in seven years. Cool. Luis Suarez was tearful on the pitch after they won. Um, he was let go from Barcelona in unceremonious terms uh, last year and he came back with their direct opponents and won La Liga. That's a real kick in the nuts. Yeah. And Leicester City failed to qualify for the Champions League for the second season running on the last day of the season. I mean, like, this is a health podcast. Yeah, and you spent 10 minutes talking about fucking Eurovision. You asked me about Eurovision. <laughs> you you asked me, but, the, like, I, I don't know about these fellas crying over their football. You know, you're like, you've done what you were paid to do, fella. Well, no, he was crying because he was so delighted. He won. After having do ever, been do you, do you ever get teary after submitting a particularly good essay? No, but that's not really comparable. I mean, do you never get overcome with emotion? No, I don't have feelings. Yeah, just like the Eurovision. It was really good. I enjoyed the shit out of it. Uh, I will say Iceland were robbed because of the circumstances last year and they couldn't use their same song. That really sucked. They didn't deserve the, the shit time they got. But I have no point of reference for this. Uh, basically, there was a band last year from Iceland who, before Eurovision even started, it had gone viral. It was huge and they were like a kind of indie looking type band. You might have heard it. It was like, you know, I can't wait to know what do you think about things? It was like a song he wrote for his baby daughter about how he couldn't wait to, you know, for her to be born and for him to get to know her and... It was real catchy. The video was brilliant. It, w- it was just, you know, it brought, as Marie Kondo would say, it sparks joy. And everyone said, you know, this is, is going to be the winner. Of course it is, because it's not just a good Eurovision song. It's a cracking fucking tune. And then COVID came along and shit all over the Eurovision. And the Eurovision rules state that you can send the same person two years in a row, but you can't use the same song. So... They weren't allowed to come back this year with the same song. They had to write a different song. Uh, it wasn't as good. And so they didn't win. And even when they got there, one of them was diagnosed uh, with COVID. Oh, so they fuck. couldn't perform live at the final either. Oh, God, that was a real shit show. Yeah, it, it just everything went so bad. Everything that could have gone wrong for them went wrong. And it sucks because they last year they were a clear winner. Did you see the Belarusian journalist Roman Protasevich was arrested after a Ryanair flight was escorted by fighter planes in Belarus? No. It, it was he was flying he was an opponent of Alexander Lukashenko. Okay. Uh, a critic of his and he was on a plane flying from Greece to Lithuania and the Ryanair flight was a fighter jet pulled up next to it in the air and was like, come, come down, lads, and land in Minsk because uh, we're going taken. Roman Protasevich. Prot- Fuck Prot- off. Yeah. So he was. He, they brought him down and arrested it. Now all of the international airlines are refusing to fly over Belarusian airspace. 
Now, this isn't the journalist who's been in Germany. No, you're thinking of the, the you're thinking of Putin's. Yeah. No, it's not related. That's uh, it's a completely different dissident. Okay, <laughs> a distant dissident. That is horrible. Like I can't believe. Well, I suppose I like nobody can say I can't believe something happened anymore because we live in the weirdest time ever. But that's fucking James Bond shit. Like, that's the start of a bad guy movie. In fact, that is the start of a bad guy movie. That's how the Dark Knight fucking... Ri- that's how the Dark Knight Rises starts. Is it? Yeah, yeah. The, this plane comes and hijacks a plane to get someone off it and fucking Tom Hardy just jumps out of it. it it's... Yeah, it's... Th- that's how that movie starts. Oh, well, that's what happened with... Uh, in Belarus, anyway. Gas bunch of lads. Fuck. I didn't hear about that now. That's horrible. Yeah, it's... it's it was a... It was a risky go-to. Hmm. You'd wonder what their... Excuse me. You'd wonder what their end game w- with that, like PR wise, that's such a horrible decision because I really don't think that Alexander Lukashenko cares that much about PR internationally. Tell us a bit about him. Well, he's a sort of a hang on from Soviet Union era. He, I don't know whether Belarus changed power and changed back again. I can't rem- honestly remember. Or whether he just hung in there from that period. But he is... It's a communist government in in Eastern Europe. Yeah. Uh, I was in Minsk once. It's a nice place. Oh, yeah. Mm. I've... Yeah, I've never been to that side of the world. I would like to go. It's... Yeah. It, I mean, it's like... But you very much like those dictator types, don't you? Come here to me. What? You very much... Like... Do you know the way you were saying Hitler's very handsome? No. And you said, um, if Stalin were alive today, you'd definitely give him a go. Like, you like those Well, now, types. now Stalin was a handsome man in his younger days. He was a roguish, he was a roguish devil, all right. He was, he was a beautiful man. And that moustache should give you something to hang on to. <laughs> Landing strip. I, yeah, so I, I guess, yeah, it makes sense that you spend a lot of time on your own and, and you bring those swimming costumes over when you're going to Eastern Europe. <laughs> but yeah, well, I do like I do like Eastern Europe. I find them very interesting. I find I find those countries very interesting, kind of, you know, mm. from a political perspective and just a cultural, social perspective as well. You do get a good haul as well. Like you seem to do like do well over there. You know, like it's very often. You know, it's not very often you see people coming back with more money. And more luggage than they left with. <laughs> Which is, you know, I, I must go over someday because it is, there must be something to it, you know. Tis, um, I would love to go back to Russia. Mother Russia, as you call it off air. I would love to go back to Russia. I'd love to go back to Moscow. I've never been there now. I do. Uh, that is somewhere I'd love to go because it's so big that, you know, either end of the country is... So different, like you go to the far, you know, far west version and it's touching, you know, parts of Europe. But at, on the other end, it touches Asia. It's it is it's in Asia. It's not touching Asia. It almost touches America. Well, the, that's three that it touches. I know it's technically in Asia, but I'm saying like. Yeah, you can stand there it, it and look a border. at Sarah Palin's house. Fuck off. Well, that was what Sarah Palin used to say. She said she could stand and look at Russia from her house. Which Two countries is it that have the the friendly invasion going on? Oh, is it Canada and Russia? No, Canada and Denmark, I think. Yes, and they have like 
this little patch of, of land in the Antarctic that every couple of months they one would go over and stick their flag in it and leave a bottle of whiskey there and then later the other one will come back and take the whiskey and stick their flag in and leave in another bottle of whiskey. One time Switzerland accidentally invaded Liechtenstein. <laughs> yeah. How did that happen? They just kind of wandered in and didn't realise where they were. Like militarily? Yeah. Wow. I, I think can I get it up? One second. Here we go. Switzerland... On the 26th of August, 1976, just before midnight, 75 members of the Swiss army and a number of pack horses mistakenly took a wrong turn and ended up 500 metres into Liechtenstein at Iridog in Balzers. The Liechtensteiners reportedly offered drinks to the Swiss soldiers. That's fantastic. Did you hear that, like, in the middle of all the COVID stuff, American mm-hmm. soldiers made their way into Limerick out of Shannon. That's right, yes. They were obviously supposed to be doing their two weeks quarantine and they went out to buy shit. Some shower girls. Some shower girls. And, I mean, they have a reputation of doing that anyway. I mean, lots of people in Limerick have stories of they're out for a night in fucking, you know, Trooms or or Nancy's or something, and they meet American soldiers who are breaking whatever fucking quarantine they're supposed to be keeping to, on you know through Shannon. I I remember meeting them all right on one occasion years ago, and yeah, they're not meant to be coming in because that's like yeah, it's just not not what they're meant to be doing. It's awful. Yeah, I. It's just one of those weird facts about. Limerick, isn't it, that you just... <coughs> oh, that's the that dirty just, COVID, is it? I was drinking Club Orange. Oh, I believe you know, it's the Club Orange variant. A, that leaves a bit of a, a, a coating on your on your throat. Yeah, but like, it, it's weird, a fact of just living in Limerick, that you see US planes going over and you'd see, you know, well, you don't like necessarily see those kind of yanks going about in, in uniform or anything. But I mean, they will inevitably sneak off the fucking off the airport and, and go in and it's just bizarre because they shouldn't be there yeah but i remember seeing them years ago this could be like mid 2000s you know around the time of the uh the iraqi war stuff and i remember seeing them coming in, in uniform on one occasion oh that's not great yeah that was that was kind of bananas you wonder do they have any special restrictions that they put on shannon that we don't know about because they go through there. I don't know. Do you remember that time? Do you remember the time? Yeah. Are we going to talk about I'd the same say thing? So, yeah. Well, uh, well, Fla- uh, Wallace and Grammar uh, went out and yeah, and tipped over a plane. <laughs> they tipped over a plane. But that's what they were going out to do, wasn't it? They were kind of going tipping a plane or something. Mick Wallace, the the Irish TD, and the other girl, Claire. Claire Daly. Clear daily, uh, which uh, by all accounts in their picture, they look like an absolutely worse for wear version of Fred and Daphne from School to Do. <laughs> um, they snuck onto the thing, and I think they had trouble with like they were caught in sniper oh, sights. No, or they they were going out. They said they were going out to do I don't know to inspect something or something. But uh, I think I think it was another incident when someone went pl- tipping a plane, and they did I think Fucking a million quid hell. worth of damage or to a plane. That's fantastic. I think, yeah, I, rem- I I think I'm getting stories mixed up or crossed because there was a few incidents 
that happened. Similarly to the invasions on the Swiss-Liechtenstein border, because there was another incident that happened on the 3rd of March 2007, where a company of 171 Swiss soldiers mistakenly entered Liechtenstein. And as they were disoriented and took a wrong turn due to weather conditions, the troops returned to Swiss territory after they had travelled more than two kilometres into the country. The Liechtenstein authorities did not discover the incursion and were informed by the Swiss after the incident. The incident was disregarded by both sides and a Liechtenstein spokesman said, it's not like they invaded with attack helicopters. No problem. These things happen. This happens too often for Liechtenstein to be so cool about it. Yeah. But Liechtenstein, do you have, you know what that, fr- oh yeah. It's like I'll they're too after I say it, but Liechtenstein are the Dara Fitz of the European friend group. Elaborate. That like everyone has that one friend who's just a lovely dude, but they're the one you pick on. Uh. And so, like the Swiss just keep accidentally invading, and Liechtenstein are like, "Well, you're grand man. I mean, look, it's grand. I'm just I'm happy to be here." On the fifth of December, nineteen eighty-five, anti-aircraft missiles fired by the Swiss army landed in Liechtenstein amid a winter storm causing a forest fire in a protected area. Compensation they, was paid. I mean, for a neutral country, they fair shit. It's kind of like, oh, we're neutral. We're just going to fucking piss all over Liechtenstein. Yeah, like that's, that's, you know, the, the weedy nerd picking on the only person weaker than him in the whole thing. It's, it's very funny. Is Liechtenstein in the European Union? Um... I don't think it is. I think, like, it might be there as a sort of a, a kind of a look. It's okay, guys. You know, kind of, I think it's in the. I think it's in the euro, but I, like, they don't have a seat in the European Union. But they might be a kind of a represented by one of the bigger countries, maybe, or something like that. I think they have the euro, though. Switzerland are not in the European Union. There are. 38,378 people in Liechtenstein. And not a looker among them. And <laughs> not a looker among them. That's less than Kilkenny. That's fewer than Kilkenny. It's a 25 kilometre, it's a German speaking 25 kilometre long principality between Austria and Switzerland. Sure, that's barely a country. Honestly, Switzerland are trying to just, you know, like swipe this off the table into their pocket on the 14th of october 1968 five swiss artillery shells accidentally hit Liechtenstein's only ski resort the only recorded damage were to a few chairs belong to an outdoor restaurant <laughs> they're genuinely like invading Liechtenstein all the time yeah they're just shitting on Liechtenstein in the most it's almost like a passive aggressive way of doing it oh let's just fire a few shells and break some tables in Liechtenstein come on guys neutral 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 in 1886 80 men went to war this is why 81 came home did they recruit someone else (laughs) why is this tiny 25 kilometre country it's so weird let me see can I find yeah 
Their final deployment in 1866 remains notorious for two reasons. First, they lost no battles and suffered zero casualties, uh, having avoided all fighting. And second, they left with a force of 80 men and returned with 81. So the legend goes. Uh, during the Austro-Prussian War of 1866, Liechtenstein sent out an army of 80 strong to guard the Brenner Pass between Austria and Italy, while a reserve of 20 men stayed behind. Where did they pick up this other one? When they returned, their numbers had grown to 81. Who was the extra man? According to the World at War, an Austrian liaison officer joined them. Hmm. That's good going. That's gas. Yeah. They managed to turn him. Like, Do you know who I, did a great job in on that front of, of, of gathering troops? When Napoleon landed back in mainland France after his stint in Elba, there was the, the 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 island, not the actor. Both. When he arrived back, he there was a there was troops sent to meet him, and he convinced them to turn sides and join him, and they backed him on his hundred day march. That's nuts. Yeah, I mean that's pretty impressive. I'd like to see what he said now. Remember last week when we were saying, "Oh, what speech would you like to see?" I'd like to see how he convinced them lads to turn around. Surely it was a for like a force, you know. Like he didn't charm them, surely. Well, the thing was, I mean, like he was just after coming out of he was just after coming out of um, being exiled in Elba, so it wasn't like he had huge forces there. I mean, they they became the base right. of his forces. It's I mean, he had supporters, but I don't think the numbers were too hectic at that point. So it would have been charmed then. I would have been charmed. I suppose you see a lot of lot of them might have been very sympathetic to him starting. You think he was he was charming, dude? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, he was pretty cool. Attractive. Uh, in his youth, I'd say he probably was all right looking. He was a bit short, well, bit of a short arse. You you wouldn't take him over your um your comrades. <laughs> Nothing to hang on to. I, d- I did want to add just b- just to come back to it because I, th- I thought it's, it's worth mentioning and, and it's so uncomfortable and awkward. Britain got no points in the Eurovision. No point. Zero points from the judges vote and absolutely zero points for the the audience vote. And I think this is the second time in a row that's happened. But when they were announcing it, I, w- I watched it on the BBC because... Graham Norton is just a better announcer than Marty Morris. He's real snarky and it's funny. But when they were given the results to, you know, the, the Dutch presenters, the sheer uncomfortable look on their face to have to say absolutely zero points in the entire competition for the UK. It was delicious. It, I find it funny how it's so politicised. The... Oh, yeah. Oh, it was how did such Israel a get political on? move. They actually did okay. Hmm. The song was not exceptional, but it was fine. They did a weird thing where the singer wanted to sing the highest note ever sung in the Eurovision. And I mean, she did it, but she did it really quietly. And it was more of a a technical marvel rather than an actually pleasing note. It was just a bit like, ah, fuck off. Okay, it was just, yeah, it was just looking for the record rather than trying to impress. Yeah. Hmm. 
Okay, Adam. Sure, will we leave it there, so? We will. You're going to go back to your... Oh, what's that book you were reading about that from that German fella? <laughs> he wrote it in prison. Adam... You were telling me about it. Go suck cock. Good afternoon, comrade.